welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. We definitely appreciate your time and we will try to put that to a good use like we do in every episode. Obviously, some of them are better than others, but today I have one that I think will be interesting to many of you. There has been uh, a a constant flow recently of uh, content coming out about somebody named Will Thomas or uh, you know, they, they switched their name to Leah Thomas. And today we're going to do You're the Problem segment number 10 on swimmers. And in this particular case, we're going to do it on Will Thomas, Leah Thomas, um, wh- whatever they are going by today. Uh, I obviously don't want to be disrespectful. And at the same time, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that we address all angles of this conversation because you're the problem is all about empathy. And empathy means we are going to take a look at this from the vantage point of Will or Leah Thomas. We are going to take a look at this from the other competitor's vantage point. And we will also take into account the audience, uh, the participants. And we'll we'll definitely highlight a few, um, such as uh, maybe the parents of the other racers, uh, maybe the parents of uh, Leah Thomas, or maybe, uh, you know, it, it could go on and on. We'll, but we'll highlight a few things as we go. And, uh, you know, without further ado, uh, let's get to it. What I did was I pulled up a, an event. And so what you're going to see if you're on Rumble or YouTube, uh, you will see the actual swimming event. Uh, this particular swimming event that I am choosing is one in which there are three gold or not as I was three Olympic medalists in the race in lane three. You have uh, a, a competitor of, of Thomas. So Thomas is in lane four. Lane three is an Olympic medalist. Lane five, Sullivan, is an Olympic medalist. And up in lane seven, there is also a third Olympic medalist. Thomas is not an Olympic medalist. That being said, here's the race. And what I'm going to do is now that you know there are three Olympic medalists in this race, uh, I am not going to show the whole thing. What I am going to do is give you a little glimpse at the start of the race because, you know, it's a it's an athletic endeavor and athletic endeavors are super exciting. So we're going to go ahead and take a glimpse at the beginning and uh, we will uh, we will then fast forward and show you a little bit uh, more. Matter of fact, I want to I want to actually pause around two and a half minutes in, and uh, what I'm going to show you at that particular point is actually something you should listen for, something that the announcers are saying. So, without further ado, let's watch the first you know moments of the race. For an article. Earlier this month, looking for her first NCAA champion. She does have the best time in both the 500 and the 200, which will be raced tomorrow 
She'll also race in the 100 later on this week. Next turn, lane three, Emma Wyant, Olympic medalist, who had a great swim in the prelims earlier. And those two Texas Longhorns, you mentioned Erica Sullivan, but also a really good swim in the prelims from Evie Pfeiffer, the Texas fifth-year senior. It really feels like Texas has peaked well for this meet. Yeah, they've had a great competition thus far, currently in second. Three Olympic medalists in this field. Now, if you take anything from the preliminary swim, Thomas built throughout that race a small. So what we have going on here is a pretty typical lead up to a swimming event. You heard the announcers comment that there are three Olympic medalists. And then there's Thomas. Um, which, by the way, take a look at the cameraing. Who's getting all of the attention? Thomas. I'm sure that feels good. And so empathizing with Thomas, I'm thinking, you know, hey, uh, that that's probably, you know, one of those things. When you're an athlete, getting the spotlight periodically, it does feel good. I remember, I remember the first time I had somebody ask me for my autograph. I was a high school kid and some, some kid came to the state tournament and they wanted my autograph. I was like, uh, I'm like a nobody, but it felt good. And I'm highlighting that because I want to empathize with, it feels good to get that kind of attention. Matter of fact, so much so we have a diagnosis and I, I'm not suggesting that Thomas should be diagnosed with this, but a thing called histrionic disorder. That is when people get a taste of that, that attention, that, you know, elite like attention, that holy smokes, people are really watching me attention and they can't get enough of it. It becomes their addiction. Basically. Uh, we actually heard about this pretty, you know, uh, extensively during the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, uh, trial maybe a year, year and a half ago, something like that. Whenever that was, uh, that became a pretty common topic to discuss, at least in my profession. All right. So then we, uh, we are going to go ahead and we are going to fast forward to looks like 720 around there. We'll just give it a go. We'll just start it right there and see what happens. That will give her a lot of confidence. Before we continue, though, at this point in the race, uh, we have, you know, really competitive race. All right. And so you're going to have to play a little bit of catch up. Go ahead and take a few seconds to catch up. But you'll you'll catch what's going on here pretty quick. Remember, she's just a freshman. Leah Thomas pulling away over the final 150 meters. Had to work for it. She was pushed over the first 350 meters. Thomas wins the NCAA championship. Ended up very close for second with Wyatt taking it ahead of a late charge from Erica Sullivan in third. Okay, I wanted to show that clip because there's a couple of things you need to pay attention to here, in my opinion, from a therapeutic lens. First, Thomas wins a time of 4.33.24. Now, that's a significant time, and I'll, I'll explain why, because I'll get into some of the data here in just a minute. 
But normally at the conclusion of a race, you see on the video right now, Thomas alone in their lane by themselves. That is highly unusual in swimming. It is very, very unusual for a, a, a winner to be left alone in their lane. Now, maybe it was something to do with COVID, st- something like that. But Thomas is looking around for affirmation for, you know, like, did I do it? Did I do it? Did I win? Yeah, people should be celebrating me. And that's normal. Like if you win, there's an excitement. You see people do all kinds of things at the end of a race. But I wanted to point that out. There's some reasons why. All right. We want to empathize with the competitors. I could understand if a competitor was irritated. A person who is, uh, it sounded like the freshman got second. I, I honestly, I don't remember. Uh, but a freshman got second. That means a freshman would have won the NCAA championship. That's a big deal. That is a really big deal. When you're looking at Olympic qualifying and stuff like that, that is a big deal. Okay. So I could understand why there might be some frustration. And if you can't see that, you might be part of the problem. All right. If you can't understand why somebody who wins a competition would be excited about winning, you also might be part of the problem. If you can understand the confusion in the audience, then you're, you're doing good. The audience would be very confused. I think about it like this. If I were the parent of the second place racer in this particular event, I would be super confused. I'd be super proud of my daughter. And at the same time thinking that means my daughter would have won the NCAA championship as a freshman. If not for a trans athlete who in this particular race still, and I don't know if this is the case now or not, but still has to tuck because they still have male genitalia. Whew. There'd be some emotion in that. And if you can't understand that, you're part of the problem. Okay. All right, we're going to carry on. There was uh, an interview afterwards. I'd love for you to see briefly. All right. So here's the, the, the results. You've got Thomas, uh, Wyant, Sullivan. So those are, and Ford. All right. Those, those are the three Olympic medalists. I don't know where the freshmen ended up. I don't, yeah, I don't think they're on there. Um, well, they're definitely on there, but I don't know. Maybe it's Pfeiffer. I'm, I'm not really sure which one it was, but we look at those times and they're pretty packed together. Some good swimming athletes competing in a hard fought race. That's pretty cool. All right. We, we like to see a competitive race. Now Leah Thomas is with Elizabeth Beisel. Leah, how did that performance measure up to your expectations coming into this meet tonight? I, 
I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this meet. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. You've undoubtedly been under the spotlight over the past few months. How have you been dealing with that and reasoning with everything? I try to ignore it as much as I can. I try to focus on my swimming, uh, what I need to do to get ready for my races, and just try to block out everything else. What did that race mean to you? It's, it means the world to, to be here, be with two of my best friends and teammates, and be able to compete. Thank you for stopping by. So let's take a look at what we just saw or heard. Thomas is super excited about victory. I'm going to switch gears on you here. And I'm going to give you a different perspective. A perspective that you are probably not expecting. I'm going to show you that there is a perspective about this that will uh, maybe uh, shine some light on, on the psychology of what's going on here. We have somebody who, uh, it, it, when we get to this, and we will get to this in, a, in just a few minutes, when we get to it, we will take a look at mail times in comparison to this 433.24. But first, I want to show you a little bit of the Grinch. Okay, why? Because in the Grinch, Jim Carrey, this was many, many years ago, uh, he, he, you know, he was being part of the community and he was entered into the sack race. And I want to paint this for you because if you can't understand this perspective, you might be part of the problem. All right, so the Grinch in this particular, and I'm not saying that, you know, that Thomas is the Grinch, but watch the attitude, watch the, uh, the way in which the Grinch, a grown up among children competes in a race. And then listen to what Jim Carrey as the Grinch does following the race, because if you can't see this perspective, you're part of the problem. Okay, I showed that specifically because Jim Carrey screams, I'm number one. No child can beat me. And then he yells, I beat you. Ha, ha, ha. If you can't understand a competitor who might look at this situation and think, Wow, that's pretty similar to what the Grinch did. A, a man 
becomes a woman. Six foot something, four, something like they're apparently really tall. Even for a man, they're tall. (laughs) And they beat all of these women in a race. And then they're excited about it. It's, it's pretty easy to see that from a other competitor perspective, it would be like the Grinch screaming, I beat you. Okay. From Thomas's perspective, though, to win when you've never been included in that way still feels good. And if you can't see that, you're part of the problem too. Okay. All right. So let's, let's go ahead. Uh, we are, we've, we've gotten to see all the video that I wanted to show you. Uh, I, I am going to go back and empathize a little bit more uh, with, with Thomas uh, as, as trans so that we can understand from a therapeutic perspective, a little bit more about that. Uh, we are going to, uh, before we do, we're going to do, we're going to take a look for the audience to empathize with the audience. We're going to include, include a little bit of data for those of you who are watching. I'm pulling it up on my screen there. The NCAA, uh, they put out some pretty typical stats, some stats that tell you what it would be like to try to compete at the collegiate level as a swimmer. So I'm going to go down here where you can go. It says 50 free, 100 free, 200 free, 500 free. The 500 free is what we just watched. The time that won, this is the men's uh, tier one standards, tier two standards, tier three standards, and tier four standards. The men's. The men's standards for the 500 free is 423 and faster just to compete at the D1 level. It's 427.9 to 431.5 to be at the D1 level as a tier two athlete. As a tier three, 435 to 437 and a tier four standard. This is just to compete at that next level. This is for high school kids who are considering college as a swimmer would be 442 to 509. So Thomas's time definitely fits the D2, D3 uh, levels and does not fit the D1 level really. You maybe some of the mid majors at the D one level would take a look at Thomas, and this is Thomas at their best. Um, the others, the girls, the women in the race, the three Olympic medalists in the race, at their elite level, would not be D one power five. Uh, you know, major D or mid-major D1 programs. It wouldn't be, it would definitely not be the elite. It definitely wouldn't. Because why? Because biologically, men and women are different. They, They just are different. And yes, you can make the argument 
uh, from a trans athlete point of view, well, the NCAA required a certain amount of hormone treatment and, and all of this other stuff. And you're right. You're not wrong. But there's so much unknown and athletic endeavors historically have been designed to be competitive. I can take an average male swimmer and put them against a good female swimmer and they will probably be the same. That's just biological reality, which is why we had all of this push. I remember it. I remember, matter of fact, one of the programs I played baseball in in college was cut because they were equalizing the playing field for men and women. That's a reality. It happened in the 90s and in the early 2000s in colleges all over the nation. Why? So that women's sports could be treated with fairness so that we could have competitive women's sports being highlighted. And in my opinion, there was a lot of good that came out of that. There was some challenges. Like I, like I told you, I mean, my program got cut. I had to switch schools. So what? At the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we now have women competing against the women at elite levels and getting elite training and men competing against men. But all of a sudden, here we are in, you know, the you know, 2020s and we're dealing with men competing in women's athletics. Like that is, you know, if you cannot see how that is a hit on women, you're part of the problem. Okay. So let's talk about uh, transgender just in general. Look, I, I listened to, watched an interview with uh, Will Leah Thomas. And I, uh, one of the things that came out in that interview was that Thomas identifies not as male. Okay. I mean, great. It is what it is. They were really excited about their hormone treatments. They they have gained confidence in in their uh, themselves as a result of going through the process of, as they say, being themselves. Here's, and that's good. Like we we want people to be confident, but there is a problem that we are seeing in the the psychological uh, aspect of the, the transgender movement. And I want to be really clear with what it is, because if you can't see this, you're probably perpetuating some of the problem. The fantasy aspect of saying, I am a male if I'm a female, or I am a female if I'm a male. The fantasy aspect of that is, is that, you were born biologically something else. And that negates a biological disposition. It's saying my biology is wrong. Okay. 
I mean, look, you know, from a therapeutic view, I, I've worked with transgender athletes, transgender uh, um, uh, couples, uh, you know, like I, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I don't have a problem with the, 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 the fantasy or the distortion of it. Why? Because proper therapy, you know, I don't even have to convert them but they're going to start to accept themselves as they are because what happens when they do say like a surgery and then all of a sudden they see the next thing that's wrong and they have to fix that. And then they see the next thing. The question that as a a therapist that, that I ask routinely is where's the line, where's the stopping point. And if you can't see that you're part of the problem. Because the euphoria of having a sense of control over my biology, uh, that isn't just a trans thing. That's definitely an athlete thing too. Athletes love having control over their body. That's a big deal. I can swing the bat a certain way. I can throw the ball a certain way. I can swim a certain pace. I can, you know, shoot a ball into a hoop at a certain percentage, a certain clip. Athletes definitely fall into the category of people who could understand the euphoria of having control over our bodies. I bring that up because if you can't see that, you're part of the problem. All right. As we uh, look at the audience a little bit more, if you can't see how an audience would be confused by highlighting the emotional euphoria of a victory that doesn't seem just in their eyes, you're probably part of the problem. If you can't see why some people would come to the aid and defend the athlete, Thomas, because they uh, you know, they love defending people's rights to be as they wish to be autonomy, you might be part of the problem. If you can't understand how autonomy has limits. Limits are when it becomes dangerous to others. Now, this isn't a, 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 a you know physical danger necessarily, but it is a psychological danger to women. It is. And if you can't see that, you're part of the problem. This swimmer edition that I did today, I know is going to push some buttons out there. I hope this was helpful at helping you take a look at the uh, the the transgender athlete i hope it helps you take a look at the competitors of the transgender athletes i hope it helps you take a look at the audience the uh, the spectators the parents the friends of both sides of that and i hope i hope it allows you to bring better empathy to the table better understanding to the table of what's really going on here. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information. 